Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and today our guest is Kyle Marvin, who is making his feature directorial debut with a huge movie, the huge cast, 80 for Brady, which stars Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Rita Moreno, and Tom Brady. The women play four diehard Tom Brady fans who travel to Houston to watch him play in Super Bowl 51 back in 2017. Kyle Marvin is well known to Movie Maker subscribers because we've run several stories about his 2019 film The Climb, which he co-wrote, co-produced, and co-starred in with his creative partner Michael Angelo Cavino, who directed The Climb. The film evolved from a single scene short into a feature in which two friends who are avid cyclists and occasional romantic rivals work out their friendship over seven long scenes, shot as wonders, with no edits. The fun and ambitious film was a Sundance success which led to a cool national rollout plan in the spring of 2020 in which the two co-creators would pedal across America promoting it. But that happened just as COVID was taking off, which really hurt the release. Still, the climb caught the attention of Endeavor Content, which had been developing 80 for Brady with Tom Brady's production company, 199 Productions, and Kyle Marvin got the job. 80 for Brady is very loosely based on four real-life octogenarians who love Tom Brady, Kyle Marvin and I talked on the day before Tom Brady retired, probably for good this time, and the day after Kyle welcomed a new baby to his family. He is really, really good at time management and all kinds of quarterbacking, as you'll hear from this interview. You may also have seen him on We Crashed, the very good Apple TV Plus series about WeWork. 80 for Brady is now in theaters, and now here's Kyle Marvin, who directed the film. So congratulations on this movie. Thank you. Um, the first thing that really surprised me is that Tom Brady is a good actor. Because there was I a know. I felt like you were not giving him that many lines, like the movie was not giving him that many lines. I was like, oh, probably they're working around him. He can't really act. And then he has that big scene in the locker room where he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, partially the reason why we're working around him, one, was because we wanted to put the women first, and so did he. But also, I mean, he was you know, he was getting ready to play another season of football. So he was, you know, he was literally training and then came to set from, from his preparation. So, um, so it was a little bit of a double, a double sword. And, and I, you know, to be honest, it was like, it was one of the big hurdles that I was wondering going into it too, because it's not an easy, you know, it's not an easy thing to come onto a set and to commit to a scene like that as like, oh, this is the, you know, yeah, it's not like you come on and do a cameo and you can just be ridiculous. It's like, no, no, you're gonna have to be like super emotional and and like say some pretty like heartfelt things to Lily Tomlin. So uh, it surprised me as well. But you know, he's a he's a professional and and he took it seriously and he tried to get ready for it and you know committed to it in the moment and I think did a great job too. You know. There was a point when I thought he would do kind of like the Dirk Diggler reading where you kind of like lock eyes and do it really intensely. because like, I'm acting. And he did. Yeah. He looked away. He had real vulnerability. It felt like how I imagined him really saying it in that moment. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that he started, he definitely started, you know, his first few takes were definitely Dirk Diggler. But I think, I think that the, the sort of thing that I said that I think, you know, helped him a lot was, um, just look Lily Tomlin in the eyes and say your lines. You know what I mean? Like, just say what you're saying, but say it to Lily Tomlin in her eyes. And she's such a good acting partner 
like she's such a giver when it comes to performance um, that I think as soon as that happened and he started saying those things, I think he really tapped into some emotional stuff. I mean, his, his mother um, had just finished battling cancer that Super Bowl um, was in real life, Super Bowl 51. So I think he had some kind of, you know, he had he had a well to dip into when he started getting into that thing. And I think it sort of it clicked for him and he he found it. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So yeah. you shot this before this season? Yeah, we shot it before this season. We shot it in in uh, the spring of this year. Um, so right before he right before he got going this year. Needless to say, I I followed the the Bucks this year, <laughs> hoping hoping for a, a Super Bowl repeat. How often? And I have a lot of questions about Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, of yeah. course. But how how often was he in touch with you during the season? I mean, did you distract him from the game in any way? <laughs> Am I the reason? <laughs> you blame it on me. Um, no, no, I, I, he, he was in touch off and on. I mean, we shared some stuff with him. We had a couple conversations, but it was pretty sparse. I mean, the truth is, is that he, you know, when he's in season, he basically is all consumed six days out of seven. And that seventh day is spent a lot with his family and, you know, doing the things he needs to do personally. So, you know, there wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of windows to talk. We texted a couple times. Um, and we spoke as we sort of got towards the end of the movie and we're sharing some of, you know, where the movie was headed. Um, and then I'll, I'll obviously like, as we locked picture, we shared it with him. Um, but it was pretty, it was pretty infrequent. I mean, he, the truth is that he championed the story from the get go, which made it possible to happen because, you know, his participate, it wouldn't have worked without his participation. It would have been, it just wouldn't have been the same. Um, so it really got the movie going and his, his help with the NFL was amazing. Although they were, you know, they were pretty excited about this movie as soon as they started seeing what it was going to be. Um, uh, but, but he, he kind of stayed hands off in terms of the creative process. I think he knows he's not, um, I think he knew that it was about him and that probably felt a little weird, um, to like try and influence the script. Um, and then I think he just liked where it was going. He sort of supported it and. Uh, you know, he did ADR sessions with us to try and try some new things, which didn't end up actually working. So he was like participating, but um, but he, you know, he sort of let the movie be what it was, which was great. This is your first feature as a director, right? Correct. Yeah. So you got this because you had a really big hit with The Climb, a really big Sundance hit okay. that came. We wrote a whole article. You got you guys worked yeah. with us a whole article about the climb yes. weird rollout, yeah. and you're doing a bike tour across America. Yeah. Um, it got like shut down by COVID, so just yeah, it was a nightmare. Your movie got like more screwed than anybody's movie by COVID, but it was a really <laughs> good movie. people really liked it. Yeah. Uh, so was that the fuel that sort of got Endeavor to say you should be the one to direct this? Yeah, that was that was partially it. I mean, they were they were experimenting with a couple people and they had sort of they were, they were trying to to get the movie put together. Um, and one of the things that that um, came with me as a package was my partner, Mike, who directed The Climb. Um, and we were able to sort of add a, a little bit of texture to the movie on the writing side, which um, just helped help sort of fill out where, where we were taking the characters and we worked with the women to sort of like get the movie to a place where they 
um, felt comfortable and liked where we were headed and were sort of tackling things the way that they wanted to tackle it. And that was really the thing that pushed it over was that sort of creative work. Um, and then I, and then everyone, it's sort of a funny thing, you know, it's when you're, when you're, when you're trying to direct something, you're just trying to convince everyone to say yes. Uh, and there was a lot of people to convince, you know, to say, Hey, this kid who, you know, has no experience should be the one to helm this movie. Um, and, and no experience is not actually true because I produced 10 feature films. So like we have, I have the experience of making movies um, and, and certainly know how a set runs and know how to run a set well and, and to be a creative producer. Um, yeah. But it was a big, it, you know, it was a big battle, but the truth is everyone just kept saying, yes, you know, there was a good, I had a good pitch on it. I had a good creative um, approach to it. I ended up, you know, having great conversations with really good crew members who signed on, John Toll, you know, um, all, all of the sort of great department heads signed on with me, you know, and so as, as it just sort of gained momentum, the studio just said, okay, great, if, if all the women want to work with him, if the, you know, he's pulling good crew, and if it's ready to go now, let's do it. And that's, you know, that's the reality of how these things come together. So Jane Fonda, Sally, I mean, you have legends, you have Rita Moreno, Jane Fonda, yeah. Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, who's kind of the heart of it all. Yeah. Um, what did they want to know from you? What did they want in a director? I think some of it, some of it was just confidence that I knew what I was talking about. There was, you know, there was a lot of sort of challenging the why me component of it from all of them. Um, I think Sally was maybe the most comfortable because she really liked the climb and she knew that we had the sort of sense of comedy that she was chasing. So that was maybe the easiest of them all. Um, and Rita Moreno also was was very on board. She came in as the last sort of component in, of the women. So that was an easy sell when you said who was in it. Um, she sort of said, absolutely, let's do this. Um, and although they all happened in really fast succession. And then Lillian and Jane, you know, it was a lot of conversations about creative intent and approach. You know, the, these these things can kind of get a little out of hand and like the desire to just make a ton of really slapsticky jokes back to back. And we decided for this one to just play it a little slower and, and to play it a little smoother and, and just have people go on a ride that's more enjoyable than having this necessity to be like, great, you know, make a joke every five seconds about some component of being old and we were like that's not any fun let's just take these characters on a journey which was challenging with four in, in essence four protagonists because you're trying to satisfy each of their four stories so unlike a movie where you know where you have one protagonist you can just spend all your time getting backstory and you know building and all that stuff you had to get all of this plot machinations out of the way and try and satisfy four stories so it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the easiest task and i think in conversation this is a rambly way of getting to the point but in conversation with them about those components um and shared sort of inspiration like i really like preston sturgis which isn't necessarily a reference for this because it's not as talky you know it's not as heavy banter as preston used but for sure with jane fonda that that resonated with her and she loved that that sort of sensibility and and character first approach and so I think all of that was were the components that came together to get them. Yeah. Uh, this The part that resonated with me the most, I'm not even the biggest football fan. Um, and though I'm in New England, I'm not like a huge, I don't think I followed the the Tom Brady saga as closely as everybody did. I definitely totally. respect as, as you say in the movie, if you don't like him, you respect him. 
Yeah. Um, but the thing that struck me the most was just what it what it is to be in your 80s and that perspective that they brought to it and the lives that they've had, which are ridiculous because you look at big historical events in the 70s and Jane Fonda is there. Yeah. I, mean, the 80, I mean, we just covered a documentary called Still Working 9 to 5 about how important that movie was. Totally. That 9 to 5 that they starred in. What perspective did they really want represented? Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was the, that is the, is and was sort of the core of this movie was, is that it's not, it's not a, about being 80 years old, that's just a frame in, of reference for the activity. And so the thing they wanted to do was sort of celebrate and acknowledge the representation of older women and that that you, you can go in and watch a movie that's not about all the problems of being old, it's the universal problems. Like what do you do when someone has left you? You're, you know, whether that's a spouse who died or a you know, girlfriend or boyfriend who breaks up with you. You know, what do you do when you have a partner who you've been supporting and then you realize what do I, am I supporting myself? What do I need for me? You know, all those, we try to tackle things as more universal items um, and to and to treat them as adults, you know what I mean? And treat them, you know, the Jane Fonda, Harry Hamlin scene at the end is muted because that's the reality of the way that it works. It's like, well, I'll be honest with you, you know, I tend to jump too fast and everything comes crashing down. It's like, all right, we'll take our time. Yeah. That's it. That's like a grown up way to deal with problems as opposed to if you're, you know, 19 and you're like, well, I'm just going to make the biggest drama out of the fact that I didn't clip my pink, my pinky nail correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> these women, these women have a very sort of like mature approach to life. And we hope to acknowledge that maturity uh, and take sort of a grown up viewpoint on these subjects. Yeah, it's funny. There's this thing that younger people do where they go, oh, they're in their 80s. That's so sweet. Like forgetting that they've been through everything <laughs> and they've done everything you've done. Plus, a bunch like of 10 times stuff. worse. Like if you heard the stories that I heard on set, like those women's life experience is insane. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy what they've been through. And, and I think there's a, there's something about the movie where it has a sort of smooth, even keel. And I think that organically organically came out of their the truth to their existence, which is like you got to take kind of an even keel to it, and you have to just help each other through things, and that's what matters. Like that even keel is sort of the way that we should be acknowledging each other. Um, and and you know, the challenge was keeping that as entertaining as possible while not disrespecting the fact that like that's something worth representation. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like they're doing pranks and, you know, and, and busy doing all these things. It's like, oh, no, this is the way that they live their life. And that's truth for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like the there's a couple of metaphors that I think are really good. And one is Tom Brady is a perfect metaphor for you don't have to stop doing certain things because you're at a certain age. A hundred percent. And, 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 you know, the real, the real thing which came, which I completely agree, but came as we were sort of talking about it as we were talking about it was the real, the real truth is the perspective is there's always another season. You know what I mean? Like you get beat down, you lose, you have a terrible year and then you practice, you figure out what your strategy is, you move teams and then you start again. And that, I think that's the really admirable thing that Lily and Jane and Sally have all done because they've all had problems in their career. They've all had, you know, ups and downs. And I think persistence and the ability to just like, all right, new game, 
we're going to get out there. We're going to try it again. Like we can win it um, is what makes Tom Brady, you know, a legend. It's why people call him the goat is not because he had one good game or because he's like the flashiest player around. It's just that the guy just keeps going and he keeps winning. Um, And and that I think is, that I think is a lesson we could all take to heart. Yeah. You know, I just think you must be really good as a coach and a manager because you have, I would be scared. Like Jane Fonda is kind of on my list of people I'd like to interview. And I honestly, I've never, I don't know if I've ever asked to interview her because I'm kind of scared of just looking yeah. like an idiot. Like she's one of the yeah. most impressive people alive now. Um, yep. How do you handle just the pressure of all these four different people who are all, as I said, legendary in their own right. Then you bring in the greatest football player ever. Then you yeah. bring in all these production companies and everybody else. How do you yeah. keep it even kill? Uh, I think I think you just pretend like none of it matters. I think that's the only way to get to get through it. I mean, the, I you're absolutely right. Like I read Jane's books. I, you know, I tried to be as I tried to be as up to speed with all of the women in terms of their perspective and their outlook at the moment. Um, and so, like, I tried to brush up. And Jane has thought long and hard about aging and the importance of um, the of how we age. It's a, you know, it's a subject matter that she's very very smart about. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that the reality was, is that, you know, to, to be a good coach, you kind of just listen to people, um, and find resonance and align resonance in a lot of ways, find the things that, that people are, um, are together on and try and strengthen and, and empower those things. And so it has a lot to do with listening to what people want, listening to what they need in order to succeed across the boards, both the actors and our crew members, um, and then trying to just be a good guide and orient people in that direction and give them what they need to succeed. Because, you know, the truth is, and, and it's not profound, and I'm sure every director says this, but, you know, you, you are, you are for the most part, a composer, uh, um, except that you're composing a train whose wheels are falling off the track at all times as it barrels forward, you know, shakily down some mysterious path that you've never driven before. So the truth is, is that, you know, a lot of it has to do with continuing to just give each wheel what it needs so that it, so that it keeps rolling as, as um, as strong as it can. And that really was my job was just listening to the women, listening to what they wanted to accomplish. um, You know, listening to the crew members, finding out what made them and their process work well, making sure everyone talks to each other so that there aren't upsets. And then, um, and then just on set, giving those women the prompts and things that they need. And, you know, each people, each person needs something different. I mean, the way that I would, you know, the way that I would work with you in order to get you to cry, you know, or to get you in a place to cry would be different than what I, what Lily Tomlin needs and is different than what Tom Brady needs. And so a lot of it had to do with, um just being really perceptive to to what was working and not working and then continuing to sort of refine the way i talked to them and the way that we discussed things and the way that i gave them prompts in between takes wow and that's based on the research that you did of who they are in some ways yeah i mean i think i think the who they were was more about understanding them in terms of their process there's no way to there's no way to get that second hand that's a first hand thing and it comes first and foremost from them, just like, hey, what do you need in this moment? We did some rehearsals um, and talked through 
what each of them needs and all of the other actors are aware of each other's strengths too which is amazing like lily knows what helps jane and jane knows what helps lily and so it was about sort of listening to them and talking to them about what they need to do their best work and then and then just trying to provide that you know would would they be comfortable with you saying what you have to do to get them to that point emotionally or is that like a violation um, of director actor privilege yeah i mean i i think i think some of it's a little personal to be honest i think i think with i think with jane i think with jane she is she's a consummate professional so she when she's ready to go she knows what she needs and really for me that was about keeping the site quiet and keeping the space in you know hers and allowing her to sort of dip into it and then stay in it which has a lot to do with just sort of staying in it and being in it and continuing um the crazy thing is that we ended up doing a lot of these as long takes you know, a lot of these scenes, we just sort of kept them as longer takes because I didn't want the, I didn't want the overly cut sort of sensation that you get in certain films, which I get people are like, well, that's what people want is like cut, 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 cut the best joke. And I sort of was like, I think it's better off not doing a lot of coverage and taking these scenes long and slow um, and letting them live out in their natural sort of cadence. Um, and so that's, so that, that I think, helped the actors because they were just sort of in it you know what i mean they were just sort of in the scenes and we could run a couple of them back to back and by the time it got to the third or fourth take it was like oh okay everyone's sort of very comfortable with the whole scene and it was really about making small adjustments you know like what if you didn't sit down here and then watching the other person respond and getting that sort of organic spark out of it yeah uh, this may be a big question. It's a comedy. Like I'm not trying to be, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, super pretentious about it. But like I, I'm at about the midpoint of my life statistically. Um, yep. You're somewhere near me in age. Maybe. Yep. Exactly. Hopefully, you're earlier than the middle of your life and have been yeah, more. Just before. I'm right before. <laughs> but um, did you? From this experience, did you think at all about what AD is going to be like or what to do with the rest of how to approach the second half of your life? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is that it really put it in perspective for me. I mean, I think the film industry can be deceiving because I think, you know, there are you always have these stories of like, you know, they were 19 years old and they won Sundance and then they went on to, you know, whatever. We all have the stories that sort of run the gamut of like, young protege prodigy kids and um and the truth is is that they have done between the age where i was when they were my age and where they are now is six people's greatest they've done six incredible careers so the fact that i don't even have to do what they did i just have to do one sixth of what they did to live a sort of a complete life and be happy with the products that that I could make. So it all in some ways sort of unburdened me from that stress we all have. I mean, obviously I still have it because I'm a psychopath and I and I want to try and make a thousand movies a year if I could. Um, but it did it did relieve the burden a little bit of the fact that I felt like, you know, I'm older, you know, in the world of directing and Maybe, you know, maybe I'll never get my chance and or maybe it'll all blow up and, you know, I'll die on the pike and never get a chance again. But the truth is, is like they um, that was really inspiring to me to be like, great, you could start it. If you started in Jane Fonda or Lily Tomlin or Sally Field or Rita Moreno's career when they were in their late 30s, early 40s, 
yeah. and you lived to be 80, you would have lived, you would have had an iconic career. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, yeah. and so to me, it was like, great. Okay. I can start now. I can work now. You know what I mean? And, and I took a little bit of the burden off of me, you know, I'll never be any of those women, but, um, but if I can just, you know, buckle up and keep going and keep persisting and, um, and make a few more movies, I'm in good shape. You are operating the space, not just with this film, but also with the climb. You're in the rare space of making movies for adults that aren't, you know, based on IP or based on some huge historic event that we all remember. Just coming up with original stories that are just getting rarer and rarer. And do you have any yeah. advice for people who are doing that? I think I think there's a time and place for it. I think there's an appetite for I think there's an appetite right now for that kind of movie. And I think it's getting our industry gets it kind of washed up in the midst of all these things. You know what I mean? Because we're so myopically focused on the, you know, the tail wagging the dog in some ways. And and I think people lose track, creatively can lose track of the fact that like as creative people at the core of this business, we are the dog, you know what I mean? We're, we are the dog that, that, that wags the tail. And I think the reality is, is like, it might not be the easiest thing to go pitch a movie like The Climb or to pitch a movie like 80 for Brady, to be honest. It's, you know, on paper, it's a little bit of like, what the fuck is this movie? You know what I'm saying? And, and I think, that's the kind of movies we should be having. We should be having the movies, you know, where it's like, what is this movie? Not, not to compare myself in any way, but like everything everywhere all at once is the same thing. Like that movie on paper doesn't get made, but they were like, no, no, we're going to do this movie. And audiences showed up and they were like, you know, we love it. We love this kind of thing. And, and I think the reality is, is that, you know, no one should be afraid to fail at this thing that we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, we should just get out there, have the confidence to say, we're going to take a swing on this thing. I, Paramount's taking a swing on this movie. And I respect the shit out of the fact that they're doing a mid budget comedy for an older group. Like, thank goodness someone's out there committing to these kind of movies um, because the audience exists. People want fun movies. They want things they haven't seen before. You know, I, I think we lose track in the, in the sort of sense of chasing insane performances and and going for like high concept things or ip that there is sort of a movie going public that wants to enjoy going to the movies and having an experience and and we shouldn't be ignoring that demographic we should be you know trying to provide things to them hit or miss that that uh that satisfy that itch yeah 